0: and gentlemen to episode five of the off the bar podcast brought to you by the british arms pub in downtown barry my name is jeremy mcgrady and alongside me as always ronan cardell and our guest today is barry mcguire a guy who has played across europe a man who is playing now in singapore barry welcome to the podcast hi
1: guys thank you thanks for having me
2: well barry mcguire we've got an awful lot to talk to you about but uh Maybe we're just going to run through your career. So we'll, we'll go back to the very start of your youth career and coming up. And how did it... Again, you're going to have to excuse my pronunciation of, of Dutch club names. But uh, you started out at Den Bosch. Yeah, true. Uh, so how did that come about? Were you, were you signed on... A, did you go through their academy or...
1: Uh, yeah, I started off with uh, just a local, local team. Uh, it's an amateur team. I played there for... Uh, since I was six, so two, three years I played there, and then there were some scouts uh, looking at the games, and they asked me to come over to come and play for for the academy.
0: And so, playing in Den Bosch, what was the uh, atmosphere like there?
1: Uh, it's a really uh, nice, like a family club. It's like the same as the city. The city is really nice. It's uh, or it's not that big for uh, that stand is like 125,000 people in the city uh, but the inner city is like uh, really warm uh, social and it's the same like the basically like the club it's not that uh, some professional teams especially the youth, youth academies in Holland are more cold and uh, really uh, how do you say it like uh, orientated only on the fixated the players are really uh, so fixated on themselves on getting, of course, like getting to the first team and stuff like that. And of course, that's also the case with them both Man, It's uh, that people want to play as best as they can, but the, the atmosphere around the teams and the, the, the atmosphere in the club is like really warm and social. So I think that was really nice to play in an academy like that. And, and yeah, I grew up in a, in, a, in a nice atmosphere. What you like, at the time, you don't really know, you don't really, don't really realize it, but as you grow older, you realize what the changes or the difference are between academies and stuff like that. So that was a big difference for me in the, in the youth academy. Um, which which
2: club did you grow supporting?
1: Uh, in Holland?
2: Yes. Uh, Ajax. All right. So, and again, it gives the job, okay, again, we're, we're a bit at sea with the geography, but you were born in Thiel, I believe. So, like, is Den Bosch, yeah. would that be your local club or did you have to travel away from home as a kid?
1: Yeah, no, I travel a little bit. Like, uh, Holland is not that big. So, it was only, like, uh, between two. I think there's, uh, there's Den Bosch, Utrecht, Vitesse, NSA. is all, like, 30 minutes uh, from my hometown. So, it's, like, all really close. Uh, but Den Bosch was, like, uh, I think the best option for me to go to at that time. And they were the first club to ask. Uh, so, there were three other kids uh, from my uh, local town who were playing in academy or at the same actually in the same team in the, at that point of time. So we traveled together. It's so like the parents did the rotation because we're training four times a week. So yeah, each parents would take all the kids to training. Uh, yeah, the first two and a half seasons, and then after that, I skipped uh, a team. I went from the under. Uh, 12, so I went to the, I didn't go to the under, under thirteenth, I went straight up to the under fourteens or the under 15th. and so, at that point, I also went to high school, so at that point on, I took the train from my local town to Dembos, and then the club would pick me up from the, or pick up the guys who would take the train from the train station uh, to training.
2: And what division were they playing in at this time?
1: Uh, second. Uh, they were playing in no, the second no, tier? No, 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 they no, played, they played first and second, like, some some years they would play first division, and other years they would play second division, were like, up and down.
2: And what kind of crowds were they getting when they were open? Like, again, I'm trying to gauge what, what kind of a size of a club was this?
1: Uh, I think the home games at the point were like, like seven, seven, eight thousand 8000 people. I, I started that at like a 9,000-seat stadium. So if they played first division, it would be sold out every home game. And then second division, we go they go around 6,000.
0: Interesting. So basically, going from Den Bosch, you end up going to play at Utrecht. So how was Utrecht
1: uh, that was a step bigger. I mean, that's the the bigger club that I've always playing first division, uh, way bigger stadium with like 25,000 people. But again, it was a little bit similar because Utrecht is also like a, a big club, but also for the supporters, for the fans, like they have a really big fan base. So it was basically just the same club, only a couple times bigger than, than it was uh, at Dembos. So I fit it in really well from the start. So that was really good. And yeah, had a really good time there.
2: We were actually speaking to one of your former teammates before, uh, Michael's Silverbower.
1: Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, we had we were talking to him, and actually one of the things I, mean, I was going to run it by you. He was talking to us about was some of the great European nights that you had when you were at Driltrick, and one that particularly that you were involved in when you when you scored against Celtic. Yeah, that must have been yeah. some night as a player. Like to go back to your home ground and beat Celtic four nil. Bring us through that game.
1: Uh, yeah, that game was crazy. Yeah, so the for the people that know, we lost. That uh, was the third round of the qualifying uh, round for the European League. So uh, we already won the the first two rounds, got into the third round. Draw Celtic, uh, played the away game first. We lost We lost two zero away. So uh, yeah, third our the return game at home. Uh, I don't think anybody really believed from outside of our team that we could do anything about it, but. It was just one of those nights that everything clicked and everything fell in place perfectly. Uh, Within 20 minutes, okay, we got a little bit maybe lucky that uh, there were both penalties, but the ref actually gave them two. So within 20 minutes, we had two penalties and uh, 2-0 up. Just before halftime, or just after halftime, we got up to, uh, to 3-0 and then I came in and I scored the 4 Like, and, and it could have been like five, six, seven zero. Like, we had good chances to to score more goals too. It was just we everything we did that night was perfect, and they just couldn't get anything that night.
2: What was it? it was a left footed shot from the edge of the area. I remember it was a bottom bottom keeper's bottom left hand corner. I think, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, that, that goal was absolutely perfect, man. That must have been Thanks. some night. But it, uh, what other European nights did you have at FC, FC Utrecht? Because you guys were, like, always up there and the thereabouts in the top half of the league, weren't you? Uh,
1: you mean in, in the European uh, Cup? We, we play no,
2: uh, up in the league. You guys were constantly uh, going for qual- European qualifications every oh, yeah. year.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's that's why Utrecht is always our... It's, it's always there like the, the goal is always to get European football and they're always there it's like it's not a, it's a team who's always playing around say places four five to eight nine that's like and that's mandatory that's not a question like that should be able to do it because that's how big or how big this should be
0: and so discuss to us the your uh, teammates being at you spent three seasons there with the club talk to us about your teammates being there you meant we've mentioned Michael, Michael Silberbauer talk to us about other teammates that you had at Utrecht very that you thought were good players yeah
1: yeah i know that uh, i think uh, people only realized how good our team was uh, And so after the european season how well we did in europe And after that yeah you can see that a couple of the players made like uh, really good transfers like you said Michael Silberbauer was playing there he was one of the the more experienced guys. He was already playing for the Danish national team at the, at the time. Uh, we got uh, Dries Mertes was playing for us. He's playing at Napoli Apple. now. Uh, Van Wolfswing called the striker. He scored, uh, I don't know how, how, how many goals there. He played in Norway, Sporting, Portugal. So he did uh, really well. We got uh, Michel Vorm, the goalkeeper, went to Swansea and uh, now it's Spurs. Uh Center backs were Dutch, they were uh they were a little bit older, but still good. We got a Nigerian or national team player from Ghana. Uh but I didn't think you know I didn't make it like a video. We got a really good left back, only he got injured uh, the year after. Uh Mihai Nesu, he got a really bad injury, so he they, after that, so he's not even walking anymore. But it was a really good player at the, at that time. Uh Yeah, no, we got a couple of good young players. Yeah, no, we had a a really good team at the time.
2: Well, speaking of injuries, wasn't it at Utrecht that you started picking up injuries yourself? You had some kind of a back injury, I believe.
1: Yeah, no, that was only until uh, a couple of years later. Until uh, I think Utrecht was 2011 when I left and I got the injury in 2015. So that was only a couple of years later when I had that oh sorry yeah sorry <laughs>
2: there goes my research
1: <laughs> no 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 that's okay that's
2: okay <laughs> uh, oh well the next thing so you, you moved on again we're, we're, i'm going to make an absolute mess of some of these dutch names but you moved on from fc true uh, utrecht to Venelo. V V hello yeah. V- v- yeah yeah and they were Perfect. another top class side because I, I think i've heard of them before
1: yeah, yeah, we uh, played there for uh, two years in the uh, first division. Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, and what, what was that? What, where were they in the table compared
1: to FC Utrecht? Uh, they were low on the table. They were playing most of the time. They wanted the, the I would say, like the, the first goal was staying in, so not relegating or not uh, playing the playoffs for relegation. Uh, my option at the time was, uh, I knew it was. More than good enough to play it in, in, in the first league in Holland. And there was some option to go outside of Holland. Uh, but my thought was, I just want to play in the first division. Uh, show myself and then just make the step back up again. But, and the team at R5, Fendler, where I went to, uh, they had a, a, a good owner uh, with a lot of money. And the, the, the plans for were already agreed on The we building a new stadium. So, they are building a team, putting money in the team. So uh, the thought actually was to maybe get a, a spot on the playoff places for uh, European football, or at least that's how they pitched it to me at the time. But uh, not all of the plans or not all the promises they made that came true.
2: I think, well, did uh, Pierre van Hooydang play for Vamelo at one stage? Oh, I couldn't tell you that. I think, I think, was, I think he might uh, have done before yeah. he went to Forest. I could be wrong, but yeah, I might have pulled that out everything there. That that could be my research all over again. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, so after Van again, uh, you, you move back to, to the you move back to back to the start again, back to Den Bosch. What was it like? Yeah. You always say it's hard returning to some club where you'd done well before. What was that like?
1: Uh, it felt like a little bit like coming. Uh, like coming home. Uh, there were some, uh, let's say, uh, disappointing struggles uh, at uh, Venlo. Uh, of course, uh, I got a, I picked up an injury after the after the, at the end of my first season, which took way longer than it's supposed to take. Uh, they didn't know what it was, so uh, it was the end of the season, and I got just a normal kick on my ankle. My ankle swelled up, and they made an MRI and echo and everything, but I couldn't find anything. So I played the 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 games for relegation, but with an ejection and too much pain in my ankle and I couldn't find anything afterwards too so we stayed in and went off or went for a holiday because they said just take your rest and maybe it will be over when you come back it was a four week break so came back uh, running and everything was perfect but as soon as I started taking the ball my ankle would like swole up so that would keep on going for another four weeks so almost before the season started uh, yeah I couldn't play anything. So, I did a surgery and uh, happened that, uh, or they found out that a part of my bone actually broke off, but somehow it was like behind another bone. So, they couldn't find anything. So, I was out for 10 weeks. So, that was the first struggle I already had with the coach because he got upset that I, was, I needed surgery just before the start of the season. And I was out for the first what, eight weeks. And uh, yeah, let's say there's a long story there for the, for, for the, the, the but um, yeah, we relegated the end of the season and they didn't want to let me go, or they wanted to let me go, but the the amount they were asking for was way too high, and there were no clubs going to pay that amount for a midfielder, especially in the Dutch first league for a team we just relegated. So there were not that many options left, and one week before the season started, the the new coach comes in and he goes like, "Uh, yeah, you're not going to play this season. So I go like, wait, first year you're asking away an amount of money that's not even reasonable, and now you're going to say I'm... Not gonna play this season, so I can so I can leave for free. So a week before the season, or well, we're already two weeks into the season at that point, but the transfer market was still open here in Holland. I could actually leave. So my first option was like, oh, okay. But all the first teams in Holland, the first division teams, are already totally full. They already bought players, stuff like that. And I just wanted to start playing. It was was the easy option. So I went back to my hometown, uh, Den Bosch, uh, who didn't have a really good start. But we had an amazing season there. We, we, I think when, we, when I came in, we were almost at the bottom. And we should have promoted that season. But well, we got unlucky. and We ended third in the, in the league. And uh, the playoff for promotion in the first game, we got a red card. <laughs> oh, yeah. That must have been
2: heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was because you could feel like the whole city was getting, getting up again. Uh, the years before, the, the crowds were a little bit down. And especially by the end of the season, like the stadium was full again. So it like, felt the perfect moment to go for promotion. But uh, yeah, it wasn't meant to be.
2: Yeah, in North America here, they don't have promotion or relegation. They they, they don't know about the joys and pains that are relegated. Like there's nothing <laughs> quite worse than your team getting relegated. And there's nothing as better. Like, Because once you get promoted, it, it, you, that joy keeps on going for the next season. Like. I take, you know, like you go to like Den Bosch, you get promoted, and then you're you're going to playing at Ajax Amsterdam, you're playing at De Kip, uh, Feyenoord, and, and at PSV, yeah, and the difference between that and playing in second flight football is massive, so yeah, it's yeah. It was an absolute sick, man.
1: Yeah, it's one big celebration for the whole city, then, if you uh, promote, yeah, for the whole
0: season. So talk to us about the mental aspects of it, so at that time, you know, like you said, you were battling some injuries, and then you didn't have a team to play for, you went back home. Talk to us about the mental aspects for you at that time.
1: Uh, it's tough. I think uh, at that point, uh, I was already playing in the first team when I was 16, so I already felt, of course, that i have been around for a while, but I think when I was back, when I went back to the Bulls, I was only 23, I think, 23, 24. So you're still basically young, but I was already playing first team football for what was it, like five, seven, seven years already. So you feel like uh, uh, you've been around some time, like you're, you're, you're one of the, or I came back and I was 23, 24 and I, everybody expected a lot. So that was, for me, it was good. But at that point, you just want to go get back at the, to the top level as soon as you can. And looking back at it now, I maybe you should have made some different decisions. Uh because I was only twenty, twenty-four 24, and you still got plenty of time left. But at that point, like because I was already playing first-team football for so long, you just take some different decisions at that point. Or I thought it was the right decisions at that point. But, uh, yeah, maybe I should have uh, taken some different uh, decisions uh, back then.
2: I've got to jump in and ask you about the nationality thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> you started off, you're saying you played football from for, for, uh, playing first-team football at under-16. So, again, for people who don't know... Uh, is it you've got an Irish father and a a, a Dutch mother? Yeah, so true, yeah. you started off at Ireland under sixteens. yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I played yeah, play one game for on the fifteen, yeah, I think, I think it was under fifteen,
2: yeah. Yeah. And then you played for the Netherlands under eighteens, under 19s and under twenties. Yes. And then I, I believe there was a call up to Ireland under twenty
1: ones. Uh no, that call up was never there. They uh nothing. No, Go no, on. that's true, because the, I played for the... Uh, after the game, under the 15th, didn't hear, hear anything anymore. Uh, made my debut in the first team, so I, of course, got a call-up for on the under-18s, and the under-19s, played for the under-21s. And uh, then oh, I actually spoke to the Ireland coach. There was a tournament in Portugal. And, uh, yeah, he said he wanted me to invite me there, but the invitation never came. And then suddenly in the newspaper, it came out that I... Uh, said thank you for the for the invitation that I didn't want to play for Ireland, but that was never there. He just They just never sent the invitation, so there was nothing there. Like, if there's no invitation, I just can't show up and go, like, hey I coach, I'm here. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, again, sorry, again, that was the media that we were hearing at home, because it, yeah. it's very unusual for, 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 for Ireland to have any foreign born players, other than English foreign born players. So having a, a, a guy playing top level Dutch stuff, it, it was a little bit of intrigue. Uh, And that did make the papers at home, so I'm glad we're after clearing that one up. Because I'm Mm -hmm. sure you would have been in with a shot for an international cap at some stage during your career.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I got uh, when we play against uh, Celtic, and we're playing the European football uh, with uh, with Utrecht. um, I got an invitation from the Irish national team to come and watch the Ireland Russia game in 2010. So I went over, uh, met Chapletoni after the game. Uh, we spoke about uh, me playing for Ireland. Uh, I was definitely up for that, so I got all the papers in order. I transferred uh, my, oh, I got the Irish passport. Uh, transferred the papers to play for the Irish national team. I was supposed to make my debut in uh, March the next year for the for Ireland. I think they were the playing the against the Scotland and Wales uh, back then. But then uh, in January uh, there were some. Uh, some arguments at the club uh, about the contract and stuff, and I didn't play for the rest of the season anymore. So of course, then the the call up didn't came up.
2: Yeah, that would have been massive to play under someone like Trapatoni.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: he's got some reputation, as he? Some success. So it didn't really work out for me uh, with Ireland in the end. But he's he's got a resume like no other.
1: Yeah, true. Nate, that would, that would have been amazing, especially already played for the for the national team itself, and then. With a coach like that, I know that it would have been an honor to play there.
0: And so right now with the pandemic going on, what are you trying to do to keep yourself training? I mean, you are 30 years old. You're at the, let's say, the twilight of your career. What are you trying to do to keep yourself training over in Singapore?
1: Uh, I'm actually, I think, stronger now than I was uh, before my injury, before my back injury. So that's, that was already positive. And now the the last, uh, what is it, two and a half months already here, uh, doing uh, home workouts every day uh, myself. So that's already going really well. And uh, we got workouts with the team. Uh, we just, uh, we're doing that like five times a week on Zoom. So we're all logging in and then uh, we have to work out at home too. So is it the keeping fit, I think I'm I'm more than prepared than, uh, to start uh, soon again. And uh, no, that, that's uh, going perfect actually, especially because normally in the, if you have a vacation or off-season, then you don't maybe want to press your body too much because you need your rest too during the season. But this is actually in-season. So you can train as hard as you want to and actually work on things uh, that you wanted to improve, especially uh, fitness-wise. So it's I'm, I'm making a, a, a good situation out of a really bad one.
2: Okay. I'm going to jump back a little bit to your time. Like when you left Holland, first of all, to go to Sarpsborg. and... Um, What was the decision like to finally leave Holland and would go to Scandinavia? Why Scandinavia?
1: Uh, uh, For me, it was already way over time to leave Holland. I think uh, I should have done it a little bit earlier. Um, uh, I was actually supposed to go, or there was interest from the from the MLS. It was like basically already done deal. There were two or three clubs there that I could sign only the season in Holland, and in MLS is different, so I needed, uh, it's only for the next season, so it was like a six-month layover, so I signed a six-month contract in Norway, to uh, just basically get a layover there, and then make the switch uh, to America in uh, January. What MLS clubs do you mind us asking? Uh, I don't know, I know there was uh, Columbus Crew and Kansas City were there, uh, and there was one more, but I uh, didn't want to know, know too much from the agent, so,
2: all right. Okay. And so you only stopped in Sar- uh, Sarpsborg. Yeah, yeah.
1: You only got a couple of games for them
2: before you moved on again, back to back to Holland.
1: Yeah. No, that was where the where the injury happened. And That's why all, everything uh, fell through. Uh, I went there, and then uh, I think I played two or three games, stuff like stuff like that, and then uh, I got the injury, so I couldn't play anymore, and that's when uh, everything fell through. Oh, that that must
2: be very tough to be injured like that when you're abroad.
1: Uh, uh yeah. No, the, the club over there had, was was a really nice club. Uh, perfectly handled everything. It was just like a really bad injury. Uh, what nobody actually, especially also in Holland, knew that much about. Uh, I flew back. I think to a, the week after it happened. To because I still knew some good doctors here from my time at the at the national order and the 21, 23s here in Holland. So I went to those doctors to see them, uh, to see what they think of it. Uh, but there was not much they could do. So I spoke to uh, spoke to some neurosurgeons, but uh, it's uh, it's an injury that doesn't really happen in, at people my age or in general, at, and at not at all, at people who are playing professional sports. So they didn't really know what to do with it or how long the recovery would take.
0: And so moving on, you move on to Limerick. And... Talk to us about Limerick because that was a team at that time that ended up being relegated. But you were one of the highest scorers on that team. Talk to us about your time there.
1: Yeah, no, like I, uh, I didn't play for, what is it, two and a half years after that? Or with the, the injury, I first had a couple of games, like you said, uh, with the lower team here in uh, here in Holland, uh, just to see if I could actually start playing again. Uh, that went uh, pretty well. I mean, uh wasn't on a high level or anything, but I was already glad to be back on the field. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to see my options. And I went, of course, because with my Irish background, I always like love to play in Ireland or just to see how the country is stuff like that. So I went to, I knew somebody in Ireland and he asked me if I wanted to come over and play for Limerick. And uh, yeah, no, it was actually, I think we had a, a, a decent team with uh, some really good young players uh, in the team. And I think we underachieved big time instead of uh, that season. So that was uh, unfortunate that season.
2: Yeah, what happened there? The club went into financial meltdown, didn't it? Under uh, Pat Sullivan, I think it was.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of uh, struggles that season with with finances. uh, So that was uh, hard for a lot of players because, you know... It, it, for football players, it's their job. So as long as they're getting paid, it's, it's, it's fine. But there were a lot of struggles that season with that. And that's like things outside of the field. So that was uh, maybe infecting the team a little bit on the field too. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was unfortunate.
2: Yeah. How did you find playing in Ireland? Was it very different from everything? Because again, I, I grew up watching League of Ireland football. So I know how good it can be, but I also know how bad it can be. So like Limerick wouldn't be one of the, the biggest clubs in Ireland. I, I think no, that definitely
1: point, not. No. They were
2: shoot. They were again like what you were saying before about it. They were they, they were looking to become better. They yeah, they got true. some like the, the Brazilian center forward there, and, and they were looking to really do things. But uh, they wouldn't be the biggest supported club.
1: No, no, definitely that's that's true. But um, I think that season we had a, a pretty decent mix of uh, good young players, and I think. Uh, especially there with uh, Tommy Barrett, like you, you really wanted to give the young players a chance to play in the, in the first team. So that looked a little bit similar for me as like as a Dutch style in the in, in sense of like giving young players a chance at the early stage at first team football. So that was really positive. It was just, uh, yeah, the combination of that and uh, and the tactics on the field should have been a little bit different uh, there. So that uh, I wanna, don't want to say too much about it because the people are still, are, there's still people in football there wanna maybe don't want to, rub off against them, but, uh, yeah, I had some uh, different ideas when I was there.
2: All right. And then it big, big your next move is a big, big change, going from Ireland to Singapore. How did that come about?
1: It uh, was a, when I was playing in uh, Venlo at First in Football, there was a, an agent from Singapore. Uh, he knew some people at the club, so he would come over regularly and uh, see that, yeah, or I knew him from back then. So, uh, he saw I didn't, I wasn't playing I was playing in Ireland, but of course, this uh, I wouldn't have gone to Singapore from the first league in Holland to Singapore. So he contacted me back then if he was interested in coming over to Singapore and play here. Uh, asked around about it, and uh, yeah, took the opportunity.
2: Because it's weird. There's a few Irish players who've gone over and and, and played in Singapore, as far as I know. I think Joe Gamble, who played for Cork, went over there for a bit. Yeah, but and... Joe
1: Gamble was actually the, our fitness coach at Limerick when I was uh, was playing there. He played in the Singapore League. He played for the Brunei team. So they are in Brunei, but uh, yeah. that's the only team here outside of Singapore. But uh, yeah, I, def- I, or, I didn't know I was going to Singapore when I was at Limerick, but I definitely spoke about with him about his time because Joe was an amazing guy. Uh, played for the Irish national team. Uh, when he was actually came coming back, to the Irish League and then played for the Irish national team
2: uh, yeah no great guy yeah and I believe that that that, that crowd Brunei, uh, Brunei they also had another Irish centre forward who scored a lot of goals I can't remember his name I'm just thinking but he went Roy O'Donovan I think it is uh, I think he, yeah, he went yeah, on yeah, to play know. in Australia but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so what is the culture of Asian football like compared to European football
1: uh, Asian culture football, like, okay, if you, if you see Indonesia and Malaysia, they and um, Thailand, that's crazy. I mean, the stadiums are full. I mean, that's like 20, 30, 40,000 people in the stadiums, every single game. They're absolutely crazy about football. Um, Singapore is a little bit different. Singapore, the, especially the country, is more European, more Western country. It's like uh, well-developed, well-organized. Uh, really rich country, so it's the, the living standards already different than everything else. And then the league over here, um, until six, seven years ago, they had one team from Singapore playing in the Malaysian League. They called it the Lions 12 team. Um, so it was just one team who would play, who play, the, who play the, the home games in the National Stadium and it would be sold out, 60,000 people. Only they won the league and then the Malaysian League kicked them out. So they had to restart their own league here. So, they're actually, like, the last couple of years are rebuilding the league again, and it's not going as well as they hoped for. There's not that many people at the stadium because they're not that interested in seeing the local players then. And there were some bad foreign players too. Or not, I don't say bad foreign players, but they tried to put a lot of money in it. Uh, Pennant from Liverpool. He was a couple of years ago. He was here in, uh, in yeah, Singapore. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and they're... They didn't do as well as they hoped for. They're hoping that the they hope that the foreign players actually would make a difference by getting uh, people to the stadiums again. But uh, the the foreign players would actually just come and pick up their money, and then that would basically be it.
2: Yeah, it's it's a strange league as well, because like Brunei have a team in there, and isn't there a Japanese team as well, which also has their team in the league or did have a team in the league?
1: No, no, no. They still have a team in the league. It's a whole Japanese team. It's like a satellite club from Japan, but they all live in Japan. So uh, it's just because there's like a big Japanese community and uh, yeah, it's a one team that only starts Japanese players.
0: And so something that I found surprising is for you, you scored the 2020, what they consider the goal of the year in the Singapore Premier League. Talk to us about being able to score what is a, you know, always to be an argument, which is, you know, Oh well, this was the goal of the year. No, this was talk to us about actually winning an award, being goal of the year this past year.
1: Uh, it was really nice. Art, when I came into uh, with the club, uh, they ended I think last the year before. So uh, we already we did decent uh, football-wise. We did really well. Everybody was talking about the football. So that was the the biggest thing that I think everybody was looking at us. And yeah, the goal of that just the goal of the season just came out of that. We were playing really nice football. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to, you know, it was one of those moments, again, with the same like the Celtic goal, that everything clicks and uh, it goes in. And then sometimes you have to get uh, a little bit lucky with that. And then, uh, yeah, it's, and it's, it's voting. Eh? So, we're lucky that we have one of the bigger supporters, fans-based things like that. So, that was like 20%, 20% of the vote. And then the rest is the captains and the coaches of, uh, of the other teams. So, it was uh, yeah, no, it's always nice to win something.
2: Yeah, you score a lot of goals for a defensive midfielder. I have to say, I I, I think was it six and twelve when you were at TEC? Yeah, yeah,
1: true. Yeah, no, I have to I have to to work on my numbers a little bit uh, a little bit more eh? when you get when you get more experience. You know what to do. So I have to work a little bit more. But especially here now in Singapore, I'm playing more a little bit more offensive on the midfield than instead of defensive.
2: I'm not sure you've ever Googled yourself, but again, we're trying to do a little bit of research for this. Me and Jeremy there were looking on YouTube and there's a collection of your goals from TEC and you look like Ronaldinho.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's not that bad, right?
2: Yeah, no, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good, my friend.
1: Thank you.
0: (laughs) But yeah, so uh, talk to me about being, again, in Singapore. Talk to us about, you know, the... The atmosphere over there. Talk to about us about the players over there. Because, again, Singapore is not, again, a top-tier league. It's a league that you talked about having, you know, middle-tier players. Talk to us about the Singapore atmosphere.
1: Uh, I think you can compare Singapore a little bit uh, to Ireland. Uh, the crowds are not too big. But um, there's a lot of good players in the league. It's only because... Everybody only looks at the Premier League, uh, Bundesliga, La Liga, and so as long as you're not playing in those leagues, everybody thinks that you're middle-class player or not that that well. But I think especially for younger players, or, or also, but especially for younger players, it's a, a great opportunity to play first-team football, and it's way better than play at a, a second team uh, or maybe just train with a first team in the Premier League. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's all about uh, playing the games. So same same years in, in in Ireland uh, we got a great young or we got great young players uh, in the team but also in the league who are doing really well. But on the other hand, we uh, most of the national team players here are also playing in the Singapore league. I think uh, our whole front line is playing in the in the national team right now, or the, at least this season now, because and so we're doing actually really well. And especially our team is playing really decent football. I would compare this with. Uh, first-team-level football, first-team-division football in Holland, especially how we are playing right now.
2: Oh, that's very good. Because, again, the, the rise of, of, of football in Asia has been absolutely staggering. Uh, so, like, is, is it one of these leagues that you feel that is going to grow within this next few years as Asian football has grown?
1: Uh, Singapore League could explode really big in the next couple of years, especially because there's one uh, team that uh, has a new owner from this season, It's the owner from, uh, or he owns Shopee, it's like the the Amazon from Asia, he's Singaporean, so it's like, it's big money, it's like really big money that's behind him, and he wants to bring uh, football back to Singapore, so he's already started now this season, Uh, the team I'm in, they're looking to privatize too, so it's like teams are, the money is coming, There's, there's enough money in Singapore itself as the country. But it's just that you have to bring back uh, the fans to the stadium and uh, get the government behind it and stuff like that to get people back in and then it could, could explode. But I think especially our team now that uh, the government is seeing too, we have uh, a coach from Singapore. He played for the national team. He played here. Uh, really good coach. I mean, I won't say this really quick, but I think it's maybe uh, he's maybe the best or he's up there like with the best coaches I've seen. And then I'm, comp- I'm comparing them with my coaches I've seen at the highest level in Holland. So he's really good. And the way he wants to play uh, the football, is, 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 it's, it's Dutch. So that you can already see the last season from where we're coming from that uh, the people are getting more enthusiastic about uh, seeing the football and stuff like that. So I think that's the only way, that's the only way how you get people back to the stadium.
2: It will be interesting to see if they go with what what's happening in one of the neighboring countries there China at the moment, which is what you're talking about. They've got people who come in with money and then as you've talked about before, they get the high level uh, foreign players in and hoping that they with with high profile signings that they'll uh, fill up the stadiums. It'd be interesting to see, as you said, like Singapore is a very, very rich country so a, a couple of high profile signings and you you'll, you'll get pe- and a good product as what you're saying you'll get people into the stadium sooner or later
1: yeah i know the, the the government here also is really focused on um Sports are not like professional sports, but more on in general, like people, they have a lot of activities for the older people, but also people in general to do activities and they organize that really well here. So it's just, uh, getting those people to, uh, get invested in football too, in the government itself. And then you need a couple of more rich owners at the teams who can actually, uh, get the foreign players in and not only one team, but uh, maybe a couple of more.
0: Hmm. So now, um, Talk about your style of play. So, what I'm asking is basically, um, what do you, what kind of style do you like to play? Considering that you've been a goal scorer for a defensive player, what style do you like? Do you like to play aggressive? Do you like to play a little more back? What type of style do you like to play personally?
1: Uh, you mean my position in my position or like as a team?
0: I, I um both. Why not both?
1: Oh, no, I think as a team, it's like really easy for me to, or maybe easier to explain. I would say Ajax. I mean, if you see, like especially now, because they, now because they, uh, now in general is more uh, well known for people because they did so well last season in the Champions Leagues, Like everybody now, I think knows again how the Dutch football should be played, and I think that's the way I definitely like to play too. Like uh, on the on the off foot, like press press high. Uh, and as soon as you get the ball, uh, keep, keep it in the team, build up from the back, uh, no long balls, stuff like that. And I don't know if you have seen any footage of our games here or maybe can see some games in the future when we start playing again, then you have to definitely look because at our games here because I think, OK, it's not Ajax, of course, it's not that level. But uh, I think we are definitely, especially with this coach, we're trying to change football over here a little bit, instead of building up from the back and keeping possession of the ball.
2: Yeah, we should have talked about it at the very start. When you when you talk about Dutch football and academies, again, in Holland, you've had a great, great tradition of playing football the right way, from all the way from the way Cruyff used to play. And as you said, playing out for the back, young players being very comfortable on the ball, no matter, no matter what position that they're in. How is... From talking to other players in your time in Norway and Singapore, is the Dutch system of play different for young players?
1: Uh, yeah, especially when you get to the first team, you can see that it's. Uh, you can see if somebody used to play that style or not that much. I mean, if I compare it to the the Norwegian or even the Irish, the younger kids who come to the first team, they're not they're comfortable on the ball on training, but then as soon as the game starts, they're trying to go for the easy option of their when there is pressure. They're making a different option because they're not used to uh, playing the type of, uh, kind of style. But as long as you have a coach who wants to play that way, and actually the big difference between it is a lot of people want to do it, but as soon as the, the pressure is too high, coach goes like, oh, just kick it forward just to, me- to make it easier or to don't make the mistake. Um, that's the difference in the youth academy, especially when you go to a higher level youth academy like Ajax. There's no option of kicking the ball long. Like you build up or you sit on the bench. You know what I mean? I, and that should be the, uh, the way of thinking every, everywhere because everybody can do it. It's just uh, maintaining the pressure and everybody has to move.
2: Yeah, you see that with, with the center backs that Ajax have, or at least they had last year before they, they got, but they're, they're so comfortable on the ball, you know, and it's so elegant. You know, uh, again, what you're saying is there is like when they're under pressure, it's, it's, it's no like kicking it into Rosehead like you're, you're taught to do in Ireland from a very early age. <laughs> Don't take any risks yeah. outside your box or you're sitting on the bench. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the opposite. And it's not because they cannot do it. It's just uh, the way of thinking. And it's really hard to uh, change something like that. But I think as, as long as the right people are in charge, uh, then it, it's definitely possible. And I don't say you have to change it uh, 180 degrees that you have to go from kicking it away to playing Dutch type style. But I think th- there's a fine line in between that you have to find. And especially also if you want to make a difference in, uh, in the lower leagues, like in the League of Ireland or here in Singapore. And I think if you can make a difference between that, then you can already play on top of the league and uh, yeah, show yourself or make a difference in the league, especially uh, the teams with lower budgets.
0: Well, Barry, uh, we really want to thank you for coming on. I mean, being a 12-hour time difference, you're talking to us in the morning, we're talking to you in the evening. We really appreciate you coming on, and we want to talk again real soon.
1: Yeah, no, let's do that, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, let's talk soon again.
2: All right, thank you very much, Barry. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.